just so happy for John, you know. Um, incredible accomplishment. You know, he's a contributor to massive goals that helped us get a point here tonight. So to to get the thousandth in that manner uh, is such an important goal in this building here, you know, which I know means a lot to him and, and uh and his dad here as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to fathom you know, just having a son play in the NHL, let alone be the captain of the John Maple Leafs and get a thousand points and still gonna play in the league a long time. So it's pretty, pretty special, pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. And, you know, uh, like I said, it's, uh, I'm glad that we could, we could have this moment here with him. And, you know, it was good to see. Yeah, he's got a lot of team, uh, former teammates on the other side. You got a chance to acknowledge him as well. I thought that was very respectful and well done of the Islanders organization. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was good all the way around. And, uh, I said, we wish we had the second point there. We had our opportunity, and, and they had theirs. And that's the way it goes. But uh, it's another, another good point for us. Uh, fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan bananas, Brent Gunning. That, of course, Sheldon Keefe is John Tavares's two-point night, giving him 1,000 on his career, allowing the Maple Leafs to escape Long Island with a single point. It is just a single point as they lose 4-3 in overtime to the Islanders. Um, John Tavares taking advantage of what I uh, alerted everybody to mm-hmm. last week. Regular season magic around this team. Yep. Postseason, the magic, the pixie dust, it wears off. Mm. But I expect them to come through in regular season affairs. It's now four, six on five goals that they've yep. scored this season. It's one off the NHL lead. Yeah. So, so the, in one respect, you got to be trailing late in games yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, to pick up That's that the negative, stat. But nah, this is a team that gets it done late in games during the regular season. Well, hold on. Not just during the regular season. Like, sure. I know, hey. They did it once. Well, they did it a bunch. Like, those those... Those Tampa games, how many was dying goals? And hey, like... Uh, yeah, one series. Well, okay, but they did it like three or four times in mm-hmm. that series to get over the hump. And I don't think these two things are completely tied together at the hip, but it's not lost on me that you would have a series where you finally get over the hump in the way you've been needing to, and then it kind of bleeds into... Now, do I think part of this is eh, not complete dumb luck, but happenstance? Yeah, I think that's more the case than they found some magic last year in Tampa at Amelie Arena, and all of a sudden, they are the comeback kids, but... Teams do this for years. We saw this with the the Panthers. What was it? Two years? Maybe it was last year. My years were running together with Cardiac them. Cats. Cardiac Cats, where it was like every single night they're down two, heading mm-hmm. into the third, and they find a way. And look, that's not how you want to build your team. Ideally, you're up two goals, and you just have a nice, tidy third period, and everyone gets tucked into bed by 930, and we don't need to worry. That'd be a perfect world. But I do think there's there's something to it. And again, I go back to that Tampa series. How many times is it a late Ryan O'Reilly goal, late Morgan Riley, Alex Kerfoot with the winner, John Tavares doing something, Austin Matthews, Mitch Martin, like all these guys had so many moments in that series. And, you know, we always talked about the idea of playoff success, bleeding over and changing who they are. And again, I don't want to overstate the point. I don't think all of a sudden they are some cold-blooded killers who late in games just think they are not think no they're gonna find a way but 
How can you not look at the way that series went last year where it was so many games like that with late flurry, flourishing rallies and you see it bleeding into this year? Again, like find a way to not have to do it. Mm. That's the plan here. But I, I don't think it's a complete fluke that that happened last year and you're seeing it happen this year. You know year. what? I, I'm fine with you bringing up that first round series against the Lightning in Thank this you. regard. Because, yeah, maybe this is a, a, building, okay with it. I, it's a building narrative with this team that they are... They're they're able to get it done late down a goal like six on five especially like mm-hmm. this team feels they really great six on five they don't even have the Sidney Crosby of six on five anymore that was Zach Hyman he was yeah. always like the man well and he was also yeah. the Sidney Crosby of scoring into the yes. empty net like yeah anytime there yep. was a net empty yes. he was like I I'm your guy mm-hmm. yeah the Leafs looked very good six on five they've looked pretty good in one goal games because all of them have been one goal games because they've all gone to mm-hmm. overtime or gone to a shootout one regulation loss in their last 12 that's taken you all the way back to a a month ago they're getting it done during the regular season it's hard to like really i mean there were some anxieties around this team and and its potential ability to even get into the postseason i feel like not that long ago Mm -hmm. that feels like so far in our rearview mirror right now that this team it's not perfect Nobody expects it to be, especially considering the names on the back of the jerseys on that blue line. But by gum, they get the job done. Yeah, they have one healthy goalie right now. Sorry, Martin Jones, but, uh, you know, feel free to prove me wrong tonight against the the Rangers. Let's see how that goes. And they have three healthy defensemen that should be playing on a on a regular night. And, okay, maybe four because maybe you're okay with, and I am kind of to a certain extent, one of Benoit or, or Loggerson being your being your sixth D there. So, you know, you look at just who is in the lineup on any given night. And again, it's exactly what that nameless leaf said to Elliot Friedman two weeks ago or whatever, that if we, if any other team in the league was doing this with this, you know, mash unit for lack of a better term on the back end, you'd just give them credit. You wouldn't talk about the, the, that they had to, you know, have all these loser points or find a way late in games. You'd say, good, they're, they're finding a way. Doesn't mean there's not, points of criticism to point at doesn't mean there's not flaws doesn't mean they're playing a perfect game far far from it but i'm done killing these guys for finding a way to 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 win and or not win but pick up points and and keep the momentum going on the season and especially with this stretch they've got here back-to-back tough game tonight against the Rangers. Just find a way to pick up points here and there this week. Get through this, especially with no wall. Lilligren still waiting to come back. Giordano still banged up. Treliving has yet to make his trade that we all think he's going to make. If you can just kind of, I won't say stay afloat because you want to continue to build momentum, but if you can stay at this pace until everybody gets healthy or you make your trade, I, I think you're laughing, quite honestly. Yeah, Martin Jones likely to be the starter tonight. I mean, it's hard to imagine that coming off uh, yes. An illness, uh, considering that you know your other number one goalie is already on the shelf with an injury, that you would start Elias well, and back, he, not back, back in. And he gets so intimidated against all the Capitals and the Russians, you wouldn't want the Shesterkin of it all. Oh to my mess goodness! With them, you know, yeah. I'm joking, <laughs> kind of. Uh, so yeah, Martin Jones tonight, and we'll see if just like on Saturday with Ilya Samsonov stepping back into the net for the first time after his illness, and the Leafs playing their most concerted defensive game of the season in a 60-minute, 18 shots against performance against Mm -hmm. the Nashville Predators. This is kind of where they're at their best, right? Where they understand, listen, they have the David Ayers in net. Mm -hmm. We saw this from the Carolina Hurricanes, who did have the Zamboni driver in net. They just decided not to allow Mm -hmm. any more shots on goal. Smart. Um, It was smart. Uh, 
Maple Leafs can't maybe do it to the degree that they did in that hockey game, but we've seen it over stretches of time that they are capable. Yeah, they are. And the thing I the thing I'd say about that is uh if you're not going to be able to do it against the Preds and the Islanders, not going to get all that much easier. You know, those are both competent hockey teams, but uh, they're not exactly, you know, they're they're not exactly the Gretzky Oilers in terms of firepower. They have scary guys. You know, Horvat's a competent player. Barzal has wheels. He could do things. You, we all know what Philip Forsberg is capable of, but you have to be able to play games like that against those teams. If you think you're going to be able to play games like that against, oh, look at who's on the menu tonight, a Rangers team that is the exact opposite. They got weapons, weapons, weapons up front. Lafreniere has had a way better year, so that's the other part of this and again like the not that I'm going to give it to them and not that they they'll they'll take it but the ready made excuses there it's the back to back you have a terrible or a guy you don't expect to be you know part of your NHL plans this year Martin Jones between the pipes the excuses there but this is a way stiffer test than the than the Preds or the Islanders pose the Rangers are you know, for my money, best, second, third best team in the NHL this year, right there with with the Kings or whoever else you kind of have at the top. So I think that's the interesting part is how can they deal with that on the back half of a back-to-back with a way, way different animal than anything they've had the last couple of games? Uh, we'll see. Uh, decent effort yesterday. They're going to need a, a better one, you would imagine, tonight at MSG against, as you mentioned, a very good Rangers team. So you also mentioned it before we went to break here, uh, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And we'll talk to Damian Cox, who's part of the voting committee for the Northern Star Award. And one, uh, one day, one day, I'll get myself in that room. I, I'm rooting for you. Thanks, man. Uh, used to be known as the Lou Marsh Award. It's the Canadian Athlete of the Year, though. It's called the Northern Star Award. And I think to nobody's surprise... And maybe to your dismay, Nick Taylor didn't win, but Shea no. Gilgis-Alexander won the damn thing. No, I, you know, I got to be honest. I'm not saying if I wasn't in the room, I wouldn't <laughs> have been banging the table for my my sweet prince, Nick, the logo Taylor. Mm-hmm. But how can you, I, I think, I think Shea had a great case. I think Jamal Murray would have had an excellent case. Uh, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like one guy did it for our country. One guy won a championship in a sport where Canadians don't typically don't typically do that. So I think that either of those guys would have been would have been excellent winners. I would have gladly made the case for Taylor, but I think that I th- I think that with a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, some people would point to maybe an Olympic year makes more sense for him. Maybe you would think it would come with more kind of team success, but it's the Canadian Athlete of the Year award. He did it with a maple leaf on his chest, and God bless God bless Nick Taylor. He did it for our country did it there but it's like he did it for himself it's like there is something extra about doing it with the leaf on your chest and if that is we'll talk to Damo maybe that was one of the things that tipped it in in his favor and the other thing is is that you know Nick Taylor it's about the one one tournament really I mean he had some other success elsewhere but it's about one weekend Shea Gilgis Alexander you know MVP votes Uh, doing what he did it's it's a it's a 12-month run yeah averaging over 30 points a game was a top five MVP candidate in the NBA a season ago playing for a shockingly half-decent last year Oklahoma City yeah. Thunder team and emerging pretty clearly as one of the brand-name superstars mm-hmm. in the NBA and specifically leading Canada to the Olympics for the first time since the last guy that won what was then the Lou Marsh Award uh, in the game of basketball won it, Steve Nash, who was the, the last uh, NBA player to win it back in 2005. Did you, did you see what he rolled up? Uh, to his game. Yeah, he's wearing the Gretzky jersey. Very good. Uh, The Thunder put out this video that, again, like, you know, I don't think I could ever look 1% as cool as Shea Gilgis-Alexander, although I think a lot of people would probably love to laugh at me (laughs) wearing just anything he's ever put on his body. But the 
the like video they put out of him walking out of whatever incredibly expensive car he is being driven in because mm. he gets out of the backseat of it just in slow motion with the Gretzky jersey. He's so cool. Like, God love Nick Taylor. He could never look that cool in his no. life if he tried. And, you know, Shea's feeling pretty good about his finances uh, now as well because uh, he got that, the sale of that house that he bought oh, right. in Ontario he reversed. Good. Yeah, That's the, a terrifying story. I Yeah, the so very quick Coles notes. Basically, he bought a house in Hamilton. Some guy showed up being like, hey, where's blank name? He doesn't live here. The well, Crypto King. The Crypto King, who I, last I saw was like going to Dubai or something. I don't know. It's a whole story. Good for Shay. Got out of the house. Northern Star winner, very well deserved. But I'm sorry. Th- this is the thing about this award is that it seems like every year there is somebody in our country who the people who want to make the case for them, and like me with Nick Taylor, you go, as much as the case is for Nick Taylor, the case is also, it's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Nick Taylor's never going to have a year. You know, hey, never say never. He can win a major. Maybe something happens with a President's Cup, but the storyline is never going to be there. And we see this all the time with different people. I mean, I remember when the Chiefs lineman got it, uh, Duvernay Tardif. It's like part of it was he won the Super Bowl. Part of it was he retired to go be a nurse in a COVID unit effectively. And it's like, hey, that's part of it too. So I think that that's the, that's the amazing thing about this award is that every year there are one or two or three people that you can point to and say, no, no, come on. You have to give it to them this year because it's never going to happen again. And the different, I will say the difference with SGA is I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're having this conversation yeah. again two or three more times in, in his life. Well, and that's the same conversation we're having around the guy that's still yet to win one, Connor McDavid. Yep. D- d- has not been named Hasn't been Canada's allowed to do anything for our country. Athlete of the... I mean, sure, for our country, that's true. And it's you're right. Part of it. You know, you're right. Having brought Canada to the Olympics for the first time since 2000 is a big deal. And, and Yeah, if it's just Shea having a nice NBA season, I don't think he gets that. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know why Connor McDavid has to get slagged for that. Like, how, how he has he to get dinged for that. And I, I guess he'll have his opportunity. Like, does the World Cup with four no. nations count no. next year? No. Okay, so he's got to wait until 2026. And g- he better be healthy. No, here's what I, And, hey, again, like, Damien's a great guy to talk about with this. And I've, I have uh, yet. I'm just going to talk about it like it will happen one day. I have yet to be in the room for, mm-hmm. the, for the Northern Star conversation. I would imagine there is a certain segment of people in that room and I don't begrudge them for this. I think it's a fair stance to have that says, okay, start from a place of a not hockey player because we always have three, four you could go to on any given year. Let's start from a place of not that. It feels like a hockey player has to do something so exceptional or there has to be a lack of an obvious kind of front runner. That's the way it always has kind of looked to me. Or Olympic year where somebody who hasn't got, like I think of Poulain getting it. I believe mm-hmm. she got it the last time yeah, it was she, an Olympic year. No, she and, got it right, last she won year. Last year right. Yeah. And it was, I, you know, I think part of it is, of course, deserve it. Part of it is what I said about Nick Taylor. Hey, well, hold on, hold on. How many more times are we going to have a chance to give this to Poulain? She should get one. I don't think that's the sole reason why she got it. I'm not saying that's the case. And again, Damien can actually answer all these questions when we have him on. But that is why I say it every time this happens. That is why this is one of my favorite sports debates of the year because it's an actual debate. Unlike when we have an argument about what should the Blue Jays do in Mm. terms of their corner outfield spot where there are kind of hard and fast answers, this is just a good old-fashioned bar debate. There is no right answer. Well, I mean, whatever I think is right, obviously, but other than that, there's no right answer to this. 
Connor McDavid has rebounded, as have the Oilers. Obviously, oh, they've won I, seven, I am shocked that the Oilers are fine. Yeah, uh, in a in a very flattened NHL in an overall sense, but specifically the Western Conference. He has thirty six points in his twenty three games and, and ten goals, which is pretty good. Last year he had sixty four goals and eighty nine assists for one hundred and fifty three points, which might be his best season ever. Like we may look back, boy. I mean, is it likely that's his? How are you, you going to do better than 153 points and 64 goals? Yeah, probably not. So we're only hanging our hat on either him winning a Stanley Cup yep. or producing at an Olympics. That's the because he has to win one of these things. Like this award is not meaningless, but mm-hmm. it's it, there's going to be a massive, massive question at the end of his career. And in relation to the conversations had around him at these meetings, if he doesn't win one, well, that's but that's what I'm getting at is that if from for a and like I, I this I'm sure to some people sounds like sour grapes of oh hockey doesn't get enough respect in the Northern Star Con-. that is not what I'm saying at all hockey gets its due it totally does but I think that a hockey player has to do something like they can't have a great season where they put up not like. Wayne Gretzky exists, right? So none of these are record-setting numbers. They feel like modern-era stuff or whatever you want to call it, but it's not a record-setting year he had. It's an incredible season. We probably won't see the likes of it till he has another one of these things. But if you don't have a cup and you don't have a gold medal to hang your hat on, it is a very, very hard sell, especially when there are other obvious choices. And again, where you point to and say, you know, SGA isn't this where you say, when are we going to give it to him again? But Jamal Murray, I mean, Jamal Murray won an NBA championship. You know, if he would have been a part of FIBA, he would have been a lock to have won, won this thing, you know, and a guy like Nick Taylor, when's he going to get a chance for this again? Probably, certainly almost guaranteed, not going to be in the running again, unless it's mm. sorry, a down year kind of across Canadian athletics. So I, again, that's why I just, I think this is, one of the most fun sports conversations but it's also we can messed have. up because it's, I, I understand it. It's like a year end thing. Well, one, the year's not over yet as well. So like nothing happened, nothing matters between here and the end of December. Uh, careful. Uh, just, I'm sure there are people in this building putting together their year end shows. who are like, what are you talking about? Nothing yeah. uh, does happen. I don't yeah. know. What, what, what's going to happen in the next, what Connor McDavid's going to get a hat trick every night from right. now until, till no, it's certainly impossible. Well, certainly no, impossible. That would change things. No, obviously not. Because again, like you can't do better than, he did in an individual regular season i think like it's yeah. i think it's okay let me pose it to you sure 50 uh is it a higher or lower likelihood than 50 percent that that is Connor mcdavid's best season no, of I his entire career i'm with you i think there i think there's a very good chance that is the best season Connor mcdavid has ever had but it won't be his most successful one because these guys always get their cups i ref- I refuse to believe Connor McDavid's just never. So that's it. We're, we're holding out on Connor McDavid's Stanley Cup then, or a gold medal, uh, or it's not just. But it, it's not we're just talking a, like those things are guarantees. It, they're not. But that is, I think that's the bar that you have to cross for a hockey player. I mm-hmm. do. And again, like I know some people are going to hear that and go, "Oh, sour grapes." No, I actually don't have a problem with that. Like I think if you're going to be a hockey player and win that award, it can't be eh, had a good year. And I'm not saying 65 and 150 is <laughs> mm, good year. But you don't have a big shiny cup to lift at the end of it, and what do we want? We want I want winners, baby. Right. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Well, I mean, he didn't win, but you know, yeah, won the close Olympic enough. Birth. Close enough. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Sliding doors, different. 
there are different levels, different expectations for different people there. So I, and, I have no, and I do, again, I'm just going to belabor the point a thousand times. I do not begrudge that. If a hockey player has a higher bar to cross to win that award, I have no problem with that. I really don't. Yeah, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, obviously a very proud Canadian, leans into his Canadiana, wearing the Gretzky Team Canada jersey yesterday, which brings us to something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Sometimes an athlete gets it. Like, sometimes they don't get it. We've we've seen that. Yeah. Do you want to name anybody? No. No, I mean, I I think people probably have their own favorite example of an athlete not getting it. Kevin Gossman gets it. He knows what you're saying about John or, uh, John Heyman. He knows what you're saying about Ken Rosenthal. He knows what the narrative is around Toronto as a baseball market the last couple of days after they miss out on Shohei Otani, that he's better off personally in L.A., and baseball's better off that he's not in Toronto. Kevin Gossman would like you to uh, be reminded of this. Here's his tweet from yesterday. I hate seeing people talk bleep about Toronto like they know it. If you live in Toronto, you know how special of a place it is and how passionate the people are. Hashtag Go Canada uh, with the LSU Go. I love that. I was I, f- I always forget. Like, I know he's American, but I always think of him as a Colorado guy, which he is, but LSU alum. Yeah, I just the Go was confusing me at first, but it was awesome. That's all you want. Cup your ear. Hulk Hogan, be the wrestler. Dude, you know what this reminded me of? Um, was a guy in Kevin Kiermeyer coming off hip surgery who I, I was uncertain of his fit with this team a season ago. And I was uncertain of his ability to get back to being a productive major leaguer mm-hmm. and understood that it was like a low-risk signing on a one-year deal. But that, like, immediately he takes the microphone in a post-game interview at his earliest convenience to appeal to the masses. Like, Mm -hmm. that guy understood the job. And part of that was, like, he he knew he had money to make and he wanted, if if it was not somewhere else, he wanted to be, if nothing else, a fan favorite here in Toronto. That that guy got it. Mm -hmm. Kevin Gossman gets it. This city, this baseball market needed somebody to say something like that. And he's more than happy to put his hand up. I mean, he doesn't have to put his hand up. I mean, he, he signed on the dotted line, right? Yeah. When there were other suitors, Blue Jays ended up landing him in free agency. And, and Kevin Gossman, kudos to him. I, 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 I think people are going to remember this. Yeah, I think they'll remember it. I also think it's like it doesn't ring hollow, right? This isn't some guy just saying the cheap, easy pop thing. You see it. Like, Gossman clearly likes being here. I mean, you you just see the way he carries himself. You've heard the way he talked about this market in other times past. Again, he chose to come here. Yes, did they overpay a little? Or I shouldn't say overpay. Did they maybe have to outbid somebody to make it happen? Yeah, but guess what? You show somebody a good time. Once you welcome them into your house, maybe they like being here. And I think that's clearly what's happened with Gosman. It is just such a perfect example of a guy understanding the moment. And again, like, yeah, the, the Heyman stuff, but also just everyone's so raw from Otani and it's like come on love us show us some love and Gosman just completely completely understands it there is a you know it's obviously some of the other guys I'm thinking of are very different kind of characters but it's just like you said people just get it they just understand it he's clearly one of them yeah he didn't have to do this right he's under under contract he's already a beloved figure here in the city of Toronto he's been nothing but successful since signing a contract which you know seems like obvious in retrospect but he had basically one dominant season heading into free agency 
changing leagues, coming to back to the American League East, but as a totally different dude. Yeah. And he's been a Cy Young Award contender each and every single season. He's been a Toronto Blue Jay. So it's not like this guy is like trying to, to boost his image because it needs boosting. No. There's a guy that understood the, the, the assignment. He understood the assignment that this organization, because Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, unlikely to, to address this with the media, that they needed they needed a spokesman to go to bat for this this franchise and for this city and he took up the mantle albeit on twitter um or yeah kudos to him are you surprised it's him like is there anybody else cuz i'll be honest the guy who i would have not that i'm shocked that this is gosman like when i saw that i'm like yeah that feels pretty part and parcel of him the guy i expected to hear this from mm. was springer he was the one just because i feel like gosman has nothing to to lose. Like everybody is wholly in the tank. It's like seems like money well spent, mm. especially given everything that happened with Manoa. That only makes him more important, seem more dependable, all that. George Springer kind of going the other way. Like that contract getting a little longer in the tooth. I could have seen a world where there was a like cupping of the ear, like, hey, I love it here too, guys. A little PR win for, been smart. for him. No, agree. I think, I think it would have been smart yeah. for George Springer to take that tag. That's why that's why I say that. I think he is the guy who like he's the guy who maybe needed it the most, I should say, as opposed to the guy I expected it from. Maybe that's a better way to to put it. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, this is this is in line with with the Kevin Gossman of it all, but yeah, maybe not as in line with what I think of when I think about George Springer necessarily, especially this past season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, George Springer. Someone would have been well advised yes. to like give him like a little elbow in the ribs. Yeah, and okay, be like, maybe, hey, George. Maybe I should reword that. Not that I expected it from Springer, but if I would have, if you would have told me somebody was going to do this, God. because again, I I am so cynical, and I don't think that this comes from a totally cynical place of Kevin Gosman. I think he saw people talking crap about the place he plays baseball and likes, and had something to say about it. But for my cynical thing, where my mind goes is, if I were George Springer, I would have been, I would have read that tweet. And, you know, like in our business, I know I know you do this sometimes too, where you hear someone have an opinion or a view on something and you go, ah, God, why didn't I think of that? Like, I'm so mm. jealous. I feel like that was Springer when he saw that tweet from Gosman. He's like, ah, God, the goodwill I could have gleaned. Yeah, it's so easy, man. Like, so I, easy. I, I think about this all the time, right? That it's, hey, you, you, and I get it. Like, especially in baseball, when you play every every day, mm-hmm. you don't want to have to go to the microphone. But, like, how easy is it to do your little cliches or how easy is it to appeal to the people who you need to appeal to? How easy is it to get goodwill on your side? I mean, you saw it. Yeah. How long did that take? That took 30 seconds if Kevin that. Gossman. Yeah. And uh, and he will, I mean, let's not go nuts. It's not going to put him on the like no. Mount Rushmore no, no. Of, of, of Canadian athletes, but it is. It's it was much needed and got plenty of retweets yesterday. Yep. It was going around. All right. When we come back. We'll get you into the room yesterday for the voting of the Northern Star Award. Oh, no, no, like wheel all. Right. Yeah, oh, okay. we'll, we'll talk to a I man who was there. Uh, he's also our Leafs historian, Damian Cox. Next is the Fan Morning Show. Continues Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9 in the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Jay Gilgis Alexander, Canadian Athlete of the Year, Northern Star Award winner. Let's talk to uh, one of the men 
uh, responsible for the voting of the uh, Northern Star Award. It is Damien Cox, our Leafs historian uh, and contributing writer at the Toronto Star. How's it going, Damien? I'm good this morning. You're, you're going through, what do I want to call him? What I know. do I want to call We're going to talk Leafs. Resident, yeah. resident grouchy guy. No, you're not guy. grouchy. Uh, actually, Damo, you can be that on any other time slot on this station, but I'm the grouchy guy uh, here. So you got oh. to be the second grouchiest uh, among us. I, I hate to break well, it to you. You know, I know you've been grouchy for a while, but I'm I'm pretty grouchy myself. Just thought I'd okay. let you know. So as, long as, as long as someone is, okay. that's, yeah. it's, that's mm, important. I've got us covered there, not to worry. Yeah. I feel like okay. you've put your grouchiness kind of behind you, Damien. I feel like this is a new Damien. Like, I, I don't know. We, I mean, am, I, am I misreading the tea leaves here? I feel like this is a, 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 a just a more chill Damien than, than like, the, the, the formerly disgruntled Damien Cox. No? <laughs> formerly disgruntled. Well, when you take on these enormous responsibilities, no, I, I the uh, <laughs> um, I, I, sometimes I think there's a lot to be grumpy about in the world of sports, and then some of the time I think, Man, I've seen this before. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a great example of that. Like, and, and it really does help when you've been kicking around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, all the stuff this week about John Rom and going to live and all the money and it's going to ruin the game. And I can remember when Bobby Hull went to the WHA and how that was going to ruin hockey and no, all these teams were going to go under and the game was never going to be the same, and it was all about greed, and it wasn't about the game, and all that sort of stuff, and the comparison just jumps right back out of me, because I remember when it happened, and it seemed like such an incredible amount of money, so I think that's the one thing, is you sort of go, you know, yeah, this is this is big, and this is news, but is it something we've never seen before? Mm. Is it actually... Um, you know, that different than, you know, a lot of the narrative we've seen in sport. And, and often, sometimes it is, but often it isn't. Okay. Well, we, we have seen an NBA player win the Northern Star Award. Of course, it was Steve Nash who won an MVP. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander may very well do that one day. Finished top five yeah. uh, a season ago. It, it did feel like this was the obvious candidate. And by all uh, accounts, the discussion was kind of a short one, like 15 minutes. Like, can you, can you take us into the room yesterday? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had, uh, what did we have? We had 30 voters um, from across the country. Uh, it, the, the discussion, you know, it's funny. We were get, getting into it in the beginning. I thought this might be a short one, like a record short. And at the end, we ended, we started at 1030. We ended around noon, which is about what we do every single time. Um, because there's enough people with something to say and enough differing opinion. I think at the end, uh, SGA was the, I, I wouldn't say he was the runaway winner, but he was certainly the winner by a solid margin. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I always go back and, you know, I, I'm the executive director of this voting committee, and I think my job is to make sure everybody gets a hearing and that we end up with a deserving winner. And for the, I would say we have. Um, so it could have been any one of the five finalists, which were Nick Taylor, Connor McDavid, Cameron Rogers, and Summer, uh, uh, Summer McIntosh. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it could have been any one of those, and I would have been absolutely elated with it. Um, and so... I, I I I think you know we can discuss it here and debate whether he was the right winner or the, the best winner or whatever. But he's an excellent winner, and by I don't know Shay, but I you know everything I hear is that you know he's he represents his community in Hamilton 
amazingly well. He's obviously an incredible player. And, you know, the thing that it really makes him different is that he is now – Steve Nash was a unicorn, right? I mean, we had a couple of people in the NBA, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there was Steve Nash. Like, where the heck did he come from? You know, we've got this one guy. You know, he was kind of like Daniel Nestor was in tennis for a while. we got one guy who shows up and, and wins stuff. And now all of a sudden, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is part of this growing group of outstanding Canadian players. So he's leading this group of players. Um, and, and this is a group of players, and again, he's leading the way, that now wants to play for Canada. Um, whereas we had, one, you know, the, the, the group of players that didn't necessarily want to play for Canada. He is what we thought Andrew Wiggins was going to be when he was the first pick of the NBA draft. And so I think there's an element of individual excellence for Shea Gilgis Alexander, but also he represents Canadian basketball and the development of the game in Canada in an incredible way. Um, that makes him a fabulous winner, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I mean, he he's special on the court and off. I mean, I don't know if you caught it last night, Damo, but he shows up to his game wearing a wearing a Gretzky jersey from yep. Nagano. Like he just gets it right. He understands. He clearly appreciates it all. You you uh, you, you mentioned one of the finalists there in in Connor McDavid, and Ben and I were talking about this a little earlier on in the hour. And I want to be clear. I know some people will hear this and think it's sour grapes. It's not. Do you think it's fair to say that a hockey player has to do something? over the top, over exceptional, or there has to be kind of a dearth of other options for them to win it. Because if we wanted to, we could sit here and go every year from Gretzky to McDavid or to Crosby to McDavid and throw Mario in the mix there. There's always a Canadian hockey player. We could sit and go, yep, that is truly the best we got. If we just think about it for a second, is it fair to say that a hockey player has to accomplish something beyond? And again, it's like not just a good season. McDavid had 65 goals and 150 points or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Is, is that a fair way to, to kind of look at it? And again, I don't think that's sour grapes. I, I think that's okay if that is the case. I don't think it's unfair, but I don't necessarily think it's true. Um, I mean, we had a hockey player last year, Marie-Philippe Poulin, right? Um, and she didn't have the opportunity because the league weren't there for yep. her to score 64 goals and win the most, but she did exceptionally well at, at world tournaments. Um, you know, uh, since I've been, you know, involved in running this thing, we've had, we've had Carrie Price won one year, um, and he didn't win the Stanley Cup, and he didn't, you know, um, but he was an exceptional player. You know, more hockey players have won this award than any other uh, sport. Um, and I would say, I, I would look, you know, we can always hypothetical scenarios. If, if Connor McDavid takes the Edmonton Oilers to the Stanley cup final last year, I think he wins. Um, you know, I think he, I think he probably wins the Northern star Wars, but he, but he didn't. And he got a bit off to a slow start this year. He's a great player. Uh, many people uh, who were touting him as as the winner yesterday suggested, well, he's the greatest player in the world. I'm not so sure I necessarily agree with that. I think he's right there, as is Shea Gilgis Alexander, is one of the best players in the world. Um, so, you know, I think I, I feel sort of strange that Connor McDavid hasn't won this award yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, the thing. He, he, you know, I, I do. I do. But I also feel kind of strange that Brooke Henderson hasn't won this award. Yeah, yeah. Yet. You know, like, um, and I have to tell you, you know, um, 
uh, I mean, I was leaning towards Nick Taylor yesterday, and for the simple reason is <laughs> for the simple reason is that part of me says to win this, you got to win something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had we had world champions, you know, we had world champion hammer throwers, world champion eight hundred meter runner, a world champion decathlete, world champion swimmers, and they didn't win. Um, so it's, it's a really, really tough award to win, which kind of makes me proud as a Canadian and makes me proud of, of this process that we, you know, we're, you know, the, the, the Canadian press does an award later in the year and they do a male and female. It kind of makes me proud. We stick to our guns and say, no, we're going to, we're going to pick one. We're going to pick one. And, you know, we changed the name last year, as you guys know, and that was a, a, a tricky thing. But I feel pretty good about how this award is positioned now. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's it's definitely a, a, a more interesting discussion when you you throw both genders in into the mix there and and all that comes with that. Um, yeah, it is. It's just yeah. You look at the the season Connor McDavid had a season ago, counting stats wise. I don't know if he's ever going to have another season like that. I, also, I don't know how necessarily. And I understand why you do it. It's a, a calendar year, and, and not everybody plays in a sports season that goes over the barrier between two calendar yeah. years. But, like, how do you evaluate the, the first couple of months of this season in relation to the, the end of last season? Like, how does that work? Because it's hard not to just think about the overall body of work in a season for Connor McDavid with the 65 uh, goals and the 150 points. But like, is, that, is that how the conversation takes place? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But also a lot of athletes face that, right? Shea Gilgis-Alexander faces exactly the same challenge. Right. As does, you know, we had a ski jumper who was in the conversation, Alex Lutit, who won last year the World Championship and the World Junior. Hmm. She's 19 years old. Seems and good. her season, she only has very few events. And her season is last winter and then stops for the summer and then resumes this winter, right? Like, so there's a number of athletes who, who face that. I think if you look back at the history of this award, um, that hasn't necessarily held people back, but uh, like I, I get what you're saying, uh, like about Connor McDavid. I feel kind of goofy sitting here thinking, why hasn't he won? <laughs> He's such a great athlete and such a great representative. And I guess part of guys, I think we have to acknowledge that part of the reason, probably that he hasn't won, is because the NHL has done such a poor job with international hockey and has fouled it up so badly that he hasn't had an opportunity. He has not had an opportunity to go out and lead Canada to a gold medal right. or something, you know, at, at a made, you know, at a, either at a World Cup or an Olympics. And so I, I think, uh, you know, you know me, I like to pass the buck. I'm going to pass that one right on to the NHL. Give him a chance, and that may be the opportunity he has to win this award, which I think everybody believes we'd love to see him win it at some point before he stops playing. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think generally speaking, uh, if, if the game of hockey is at all involved and you want to point fingers, NHL is a safe place, generally speaking, uh, to, to start. <laughs> a- anyways, the, you know, this is the other thing about this, and it's why I love this this award and this discussion that comes leading up to it and coming after it is that, you know, Damo, like, we don't have debates anymore. You know, we've been talking so much about baseball yeah. and what are the Blue Jays going to do, and that sport is the most where it's there's no debate. There's a right answer. You should have thrown this. You should have done this. This is the right guy to put him for this spot. And 
there's no right answer to who should win the Northern Star Award. I mean, every person in that room has a right answer when they walk in there and maybe they eventually come around to it or they disagree. But this is just an old-fashioned sports bar debate. And I really don't feel like we yeah. get any of them anymore, Damo. And that is honestly why this is this is maybe one of my favorite conversations we get every year. You know, that's a great point. Uh, and I hadn't thought of it that way, but that that's true. And... Um, the fact that, like, and it's also in this era of analytics and statistics and sports betting, and all, it's not really one that's won by numbers. You know, it's one by it's yeah. one by feel. We have all hearts these and minds. Voters who, what's that? You got to change hearts and minds. It's like uh, winning yeah, an election. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's absolutely true. And because we have people who have really different, a really different sense of priorities. You have people who feel like, well, why do professional athletes, what we regard as professional athletes, they get so much more attention. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to give attention to other athletes. You have people who say we should be picking, you know, people who are extremely well-known around the world because that heightens the, the profile of the award. And, it, you know, I think that's a really great point. The numbers don't win you this thing. Um, and uh, it's, it's about performance. It's about how, you know, that performance is perceived. Mm. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about a million different things. And, you know, even with this one today, I don't, I don't sit here and say, we got this absolutely right. There were five people finalists. And, again, like all of them could have won it. That would have been great. And so, in the end, uh, a fabulous basketball player from Hamilton, Ontario, my hometown, mm. um, managed to, uh, to win this. And... I think he's great because of who he is, the player he is, and also what he represents for Canadian basketball. No, the only time you got it definitively uh, correct is when you fixed the voting in 2020 and gave it to both Alfonso Davies and Laurent Duvernay-Tardy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you got it right. There, That's when you figured it out. Has been, like, there has been no proof offered that I yeah. did any such thing. Yeah, right. And I no, did not. Sure. <laughs> no, per- that personally, was a, that was a weird year. personally, Damien, I think you always do a wonderful job with this and will continue to butter you up about what a wonderful discussion it is. I would never say there'd be any any chicanery, mm, unlike Ben. I think it's, it's correcting <laughs> chicanery. Like, I had no ben, problem with the end result. All right. Ben, May- I worry about your cynicism. <laughs> you used to be such a happy young yeah. man. And all of a sudden, maybe it's getting up this early in the morning. That uh, uh, it's, it's not helping. Weird. I love it. <laughs> it's not helping, I can imagine. Uh, so maybe one day the narrative will be mm. such that the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup and John Tavares had a great season. And he yeah. can be the guy winning the Northern Star oh, Award. Yeah. Every okay? other province will love that. Yeah, maybe that'll be the yeah. case. Uh, anyways, he has two points yesterday, goal and assist, to, to give him 1,000 for, for his career. And, yeah, he is the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he took the money, he took the heat of, of uh, joining a, a Leafs team that had not yet accomplished anything, was obviously on the up and up, uh, and things have not exactly gone, I'm sure, as well as he anticipated when he joined here. I, I, as our resident Leafs historian, Damien, I, I do want to pose the question to you. And there's the story has not yet been written, right? Like, just contractually, he's got a couple more years to, to go under his deal. And maybe he resigns at a lower number beyond that. And who knows what, what the next couple of years have in store as far as the ultimate prize is concerned. But where where do you view him in the hierarchy of Toronto Maple Leafs all-time greats, because the ingredients are all there, right? Like hometown kid returns to his hometown team, yeah. wearing the C, done nothing but produce, but it does feel like he's down a peg from some, from some of the guys that we think of at the very top of that pyramid. Is that just because of team success? 
Yeah, I would think that's that's a part of it. Uh, I mean, I think when you look at the number, when you look at the the reliability and the uh, the numbers, sorry, when you look at the reliability and the durability, this guy's been a, a, a terrific player for ever since he came to Toronto. But he's not um, because of the, he is so associated with the team's uh, inability to succeed more so than the younger guys. Now, I think that's changing, right? Uh, you know, we used to be able to say. Marner and Matthews and Neil and they're, well, they're young guys. Well, no one says that anymore. And so, uh, you know, now the responsibility is more on them. Like, I don't think there's anything bad you can say about John Tavares, no. you know, other than he, you could say he's not the best skater in the history of the National Hockey League. But like, he, there's nothing bad you can say. Um, you know, and I, and I think uh, it, it's always difficult for a player – or, or, yeah, it, it can be difficult for a player who is not the best player on his team to be the captain. Um, it, it's it's kind of a rarity uh, in today. It, it happens, but it, it could be a, a little bit tricky um, um, at, at at different times for that player to sort of be seen um, in in the right light. But look, I, I think uh, John Tavares he's going to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. I would think, uh, knowing how the uh, how the Hockey Hall of Fame works. Um, and he's probably going to finish his his career as a Leaf, not for sure, but probably. And I think you'll see him sign for a smaller amount of money when this count contract is up. Mm-hmm. And I think that will endear him to the heart yeah, maybe. of Toronto Maple Leaf fans in a way, maybe because he's got this huge number and, it, and it's viewed as in a salary cap world as he's kind of getting in the way sometimes. And so that that may change. And I think in the end, he may end up, kind of beloved in sort of the same way that Matt Sundin is more beloved now as a lead captain than he necessarily was when he was the captain of the Leafs. Um, and again, his teams didn't quite achieve, although they achieved more than these more, teams. That's it. And I, yeah. And I think so. And then look, if you're the captain and your team underachieves, that, that's always going to be associated with you. Yeah. No, they, they have to do a little more than win one round and then go out in five yeah. games in the second round. Right. It's, it's yeah. going to be hard. And, and yeah. And we don't know. Like last night, we talked a couple of weeks ago about them being this careless team. Mm-hmm. Last night, they were careless for half the game and then pretty darn good for half the game. Yeah. And then a bit careless in overtime. So we're still trying. We're still waiting for this team to play well, I think. Yep. Uh, and it may not happen until they have a, a fully constructed blue line, which may not happen until after the deadline. Uh, and I'm sure right. uh, Brad for Living hoping that's the case. Uh, Damien, always a pleasure. Great job again with another rousing edition of voting for the Northern Star Award. Well done. You got it right. I tell you, I leave this I, I leave this show every week now, and I just feel so confident. Yeah, good. That you, you, guys are, you guys are good for my ego. I thank yeah. you very much, as always. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Thanks, Devil. See you, guys. Uh, this is Damian Cox, also uh, author of Revival, The Chaotic, Colorful Journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs, co-written with Gord Stelic. That's a good point about the him being the captain of a team and not being the best player as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's a different animal than what Sundin had here, right? He was always the man. Yeah, Tavares not not so much the case and me and Damo, two peas in a pod. That's the only problem with having him on the show. Like I love it, but I just agree with mm. most of what he says. Yeah, there, there your will neck be. is sore from nodding and agreement. Like, mm-hmm. And it's not just because I want to one day so badly be but in you the do room. Want, I, but you do. I like need to be in there before yeah. I die. All right, time now for the wake and rake. Presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Leafs, back in action again uh, at MSG on Sportsnet 590, the fan tonight. As the Rangers, you're not going to believe this, are favorites. 
uh, as you would expect, good team in the Eastern Conference against the Leafs team that is playing on the back end of back-to-backs on the road. Rangers minus 149. The Leafs money line, uh, money line plus 125. The total in this hockey game is six, Brent. The lean I've got on this one is the under. I can't, It seems odd. I know Martin Jones there. Rangers don't score necessarily as much as you think. Uh, they do give up. They don't give up much either. Obviously, you know what they've got between the pipes there. I think the Leafs are going to play a little bit buttoned down. I could see a 3-2 game here. Also, I have to mention just the third time this season the Leafs have not been favored in a hockey game. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that for me is like, and I know for, for there are obvious reasons why the Leafs are underdogs in this game. Martin Jones is going to start and goal. Yeah. I could get it. Back end to back backs against a good Rangers team. But you got the Leafs on on a plus money money line. I I, I got to okay. take the Leafs. Even for you. I mean, every time you, you think that they're perhaps yeah. primed to yeah. not do well, they do well. That's I, true. Give me give me the Leafs plus. 125. It's the Battle of the Connors on Sportsnet West for the first time in their careers. Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard in Edmonton. As the Oilers have won seven straight, they are minus 455 in this game. The the total is is six and a half, though, Brent. Yeah, we have to take the over. What are you doing? <laughs> What's the point of watching the Connors uh-huh. if you don't want to see a bunch of goals? I know Peter Morazic's been good this year. Like, really good. 9-12 save, 3-0-3 GAA. Playing behind that team, that's pretty good. He's still Peter Morazic in there, folks. And both the Connors are, are playing in this one. Give me the over. I know six and a half is a big number. I know you got to pay minus 139, but yeah. give me the over. No, I'm surprised this wasn't. Pushed up to seven, but yeah, obviously the over is is the play on uh, that game. All right, and finally, the Calgary Flames in Vegas to play the Golden Knights on Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet East, and Sportsnet Ontario tonight, and it is the Golden Knights minus 189 on the money line, Flames plus a 160. As Chris Tanev, uh, left uh, yesterday's game with the reported injury, uh, total six in this game. Rarely do this. Give me the spread. Minus one and a half for the Golden Knights at plus 125. There's no way I'm touching them on the money line at what, uh, uh, minus 189. Don't have a feel for the over-under, so give me the minus one and a half for the Golden Knights over the Flames. Yeah, I like that. Getting the, the Golden Knights on plus money, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is have them win by a couple of goals, maybe an empty netter thrown in there yep. as well. No, I like that a lot. Uh, that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, we'll get back into the Leafs and we'll talk to Buck Martinez, who is the 2023 Drag- uh, Jack Graney Award winner. Uh, we'll get his feeling on what has transpired the last couple of days with Shohei Otani and the narrative surrounding this city as a baseball market. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.